Stephen talk about a Swedish lake monster caught on film, an ancient 17th century book on alien life is discovered, and Ghost Watch visits the world's end. All of that and more on this episode of Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV. This is your show. And welcome to another edition of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk and TV. We are your hosts, Rick Hale and Stephen Lancaster, uh, both ghost hunters, both, both authors, both incredibly awesome dudes. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Yes, a.k.a. the animal, folks. The animal. The animal. Yeah, and that, since I've been working out, man, I've been getting these awesome pecs. I figured it was kind of fitting. Animal. <laughs> Animal. So, hey, we have a lot to cover. We do. And very little time to do it in. But there is something that I want to start the show off with, okay? So okay. I, like to, I like to go over to YouTube every once in a while and um, you know, see if anybody leaves any comments on, you know, on, on our show. So we got one from last week. Oh. Right? Okay. Yeah. So this is from Viar. Now, I just want to say it with this. Anybody who's ever had a job interview knows about the compliment sandwich. You know, that's when, like, you know, your boss starts off with a compliment, puts something bad in the middle, and then ends with a compliment. So, you know, like, oh, hey, you're doing a great job, but, you know, Janine over in accounting thinks you're the smelly dude, but... Your punctuality is impressive. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I do, I do the same shit with you every week. Yeah, I know you do. So uh, we got this. This is from Viar, and Viar says, you all are funny, but nutty and a bit paranoid and going to the negatives. Fun stuff, though. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I lo- as long as it's fun stuff, man. I, you know, I, I, I love that. And I wrote to her. I'm like, hi, Vi. I'm curious, can you point out the negatives we went to? And I assure you, neither of us are paranoid. We're just not that important. Thanks for watching. <laughs> it's fucking Lester, man. Lester will make anybody paranoid. Oh, yeah. So but what I think what Vi, and I'm assuming Vi is, you know, is, is a woman, is, is, is a woman. Um, I'm sure that she's probably the whole you know how you and i we kind of like spend a, a great amount of time on this show busting balls yeah yeah i'm kind of thinking that's what it is because you know as some of our listeners already know we've actually received messages and emails asking do you and steven really even like each other right right <laughs> which anyone who knows me personally knows that i don't like rick i mean it was, this is a job this is a job and i'm here to do the best i can and get along with rick and then call it a day yeah, but I Pi kind of feel or Vi or Flo, whatever her name is, uh, man, you don't got a Lester. You'd be paranoid too if you had a Lester back there during oh, the yeah. show. And all these Lester's haunted objects in you? this room. But 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 negative. Well, what we we did a show about aliens last week and UFO disclosure. How was 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 there anything negative? I mean, aside from when you talked, but. <laughs> well, you know, they, I think the whole paranoid thing because people automatically go to that. You yeah, know. like we even said in the show, conspiracy. It's always a conspiracy when it's an alien thing. Right. But anyways. So I, thank I you, think Vi, that's for checking it out. Yes, thank you, Vi. So, you know, Stephen, like I said, we got a lot to cover this week. So why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners what to expect in this week's show? You know, I, I'm going to stop you right there, Hale. Okay, okay, Rick. Okay, Rick. Go ahead, Lancaster. This entire episode, Rick has pretty much written the screenplay for. Okay, he yes. has chosen our paranormal news. He has chosen our creature of the week. He's going to talk about his investigation. Christ Almighty! I even got to share a video of him looking about this tall against his other investigator about this tall. I mean, it's the Rick show, and he's asking me to tell you all what today's about. Well, okay. we've got a sea monster over in Sweden. That's mm-hmm. one thing. I remember that. Yep. <laughs> and there was some um, other and, stuff. 
Yeah, and Ghost Watch, we're gonna be we're gonna go to London in Camden Town, the World's End. Yeah, the World's End, which is a very popular music venue. Um, oh yeah, in London. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, what else are we talking? There oh, was this, something else. Yeah, this this is really interesting. A rare 17th century book on alien life was discovered. So yes. back in the 1600s, somebody wrote a book about aliens, and we'll get into that. It's a real short. Um, um, article, and you, you already talked about uh, the Lake Storjan monster, or known as Storjujarent. I'm, I know I'm probably saying that incorrectly. I just call it a sperm, and when you all see the video, I think you'll agree. Yeah, it it really does. Looks like a long, like an elongated sperm. But you know, to start off with, let's start off with the investigation that I had last night and um, put a video on our group page, uh, me standing next to the extraordinarily tall Brian Meisinger, who we've had on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was at the Antioch Parks and Rec building. Um, and it's they took like an old house, and then they built onto it. So all the activity that everybody has talked about over the years is people are seeing shadows, people are hearing voices, people are hearing um, footsteps, people get that weird feeling of being watched. So at the start of the investigation, we discovered that there is an extraordinarily high amount of EMF Mm -hmm. in this building. Like this one area where we had set all of our stuff up, if you take... If, you know, take like an EMF detector and hold it nearest to the ground. I mean, it was like just pegging. It was just crazy. So we go downstairs, discover that it's the lights in the basement. So the lights in the basement get turned off. And no more EMFs that are coming up through the floor. Now, I know that a lot of people, you know, they, they believe that EMFs can, high EMFs can cause you to see things or hear things. And, um, and and many times that is the case, mm-hmm. not with this place. Okay. Um, there's also another way of thinking that people are like, uh, you know, that it could fuel paranormal activity. So I think that there is a little bit of this going on there. So while Brian and I were up in, in the upstairs on the second floor in one of the offices, and um, I have, he's, he's got a, ther- uh, a FLIR thermal detector, and I'm holding it out the door, and I'm like looking at it, and there's a bathroom there. And all of a sudden, I see somebody, like, peek around the corner at me. And I'm like, whoa. So I'm able to grab a picture of that. Brian looks at it, and he's holding it. And he's pointing it at, at this uh, area as well, near this bathroom. And you see what looks like a person standing there turns and then turns back and looks at us. So as soon as Brian looks um, through this, uh, I'm going to, you know, put this on our page so people can take a look at it because it it really was quite impressive. I've never um, it's very rare that I've that I ever get a chance to work with a FLIR and, uh, you know, got a great piece of evidence last night. So was this video? Picture. Yeah, Damn uh, the, it, Rick. You had one I job, know. man. One job. It's not mine. I can't afford a FLIR. It's the only kind that takes pictures. It's not the kind that takes videos. So this, this FLIR is like $500 as opposed to the $5,000 that you're going to pay for one that so takes what we're, video. So what we're witnessing here is Rick blaming Brian. Is this what's, what's happening? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> So you know, it was it, it was it was a really great investigation. I like working with um, United States Paranormal Research. They're just you know normal everyday people, you know that are that have an interest in the paranormal. So you know, let me ask you something, Stephen. What are your thoughts on the FLIR? And do you think that it can? I, I know what I saw, but what are your thoughts on the FLIR? So did you see it with your own two eyes, or just on the FLIR screen? On the FLIR screen. And I wasn't the only one that saw it. Brian saw it as well. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I use FLIR all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, Fluke is, is what I use. But, uh, you know, one of the most credible pieces of evidence I have in favor of the paranormal is that attic with the two windows where you, where you mm-hmm. see what, what appears to be a sphere 
come through one window pane and by the time it's at the second window pane it's full bodied full manifestation you know that was all taken with a fleer uh Mm -hmm. which i thought was really incredible because that was three stories up in the air which meant that that was outside um i i think it's like anything else there can be things that are misleading Mm -hmm. um i i you know i've seen things in the past where and they've even done it on TV shows, uh, you know, where an investigator's sitting in a chair, he gets up, goes to another room, the investigators with the thermal come walking in and, oh, look, there's heat coming off of that chair. Well, yeah, because some guy was just sitting there. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? So that, but if you didn't know that, you would think you had something. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the Booth Brothers movies, you know, they're, they're as bad as the Baggins. Um, they, they, they had a thermal hit that they were calling, um, an entity and all it was is is one of the crew were, they, they, they were leaning against the wall with their (laughs) hand. And after they left, the thermal comes in and films this handprint on the wall because the heat was still there. Um, so there's just things you got to look out for. So, I mean, it was you and Brian standing there, so, you know, there, there wasn't anything manipulative down that hall. It wasn't like a, a cat or something peering around the corner, you know. No, this is like this was like I would say a person standing maybe five two, five three. You know, kind of like you know the average height. Your height. Yeah, I'm I'm five nine, dude. Um, <laughs> we represent the Lollipop <laughs> Guild. The Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Guild. That was Guild. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was like that was a solid burn, man. That was a solid it was, burn. It was. But um, yeah. So it was like a- average height of a person in like the late eighteen hundreds into the early nineteen hundreds, five three, five four, like Napoleon. And um, yeah, like Napoleon. So yeah, we definitely saw this with both of our eyes. But it wasn't the only experience that we had during the night. An experience I had, actually, yeah, an experience I had. I was walking down this hall. From the area that we were set up, and I was walking towards um, the front of the building, and all of a sudden, I feel as if somebody just rushes up behind me. Like as if, and then I turned around, and I'm like, I'm like looking, I'm, who, who just did that? And I asked the, I asked the uh, uh, you know, my other team members in the room, I'm like, did anybody just walk up behind me? Obviously not, otherwise they would have you know, had to get away really fast. Like, no, but I mean, I distinctly felt like somebody rushed up behind me and was just standing there. So, you know, that's, but personal experiences, I know some people are like, well, you know, you can't really use personal experiences as evidence, which is true. However, it's those personal experiences that spark the, you know, your, your desire to investigate further. And without those, without those personal experiences, it's like, why bother after that? Well, it's a personal experience that brought you there. Right. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, like I've said a dozen times on this show, uh, your client doesn't run around with a $30,000 thermal imaging camera experiencing these things. They're experiencing right. it with their own two eyes, just living it up in their house. Um, right. You know, the, the only thing, other thing I'll say about a thermal it is you know i like using the ones that actually it's almost like a lonar in a way like land radar or, or sonar um it tells you the distance um because there there's a common thing with thermal cameras where anomalies can pop up and you don't realize that yeah you're looking far down this hall and on the screen it appears like this anomaly is down at the end of the hall when really it could be an insect this far from the lens of your thermal. And, and that's that's where you've got to use the, the, the meters on that thing and look at, okay, what's the, what is it saying the distance of this signature is? Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why I go for those bigger ones that tell you that yeah. information. Just, just it rules out other things. Yeah, exactly. And the third personal experience of the night, Andy, who's like who who's the tech guy, uh, him and his son, they go outside and, uh, you know, he's having a smoke 
And he closed the door. The door's unlocked. The people, they left, the, they left it unlocked for us. And um, he goes outside, has a cigarette, and tries to get back in. The door's locked, or at least he thinks that it's locked. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, pulling on it and, you know, turning the knob and trying to get back in. And it doesn't feel like it's locked, but the door won't open. And he keeps doing it, and then all of a sudden, the door just pops open on its own. So was it possible that's that, you know, some spectral entity it was there and uh holding the door shut on him and messing around? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I don't see how how you can make opening a door being a difficult thing. You just can't. So that was another really great personal experience. My head immediately goes to that opening scene of Tommy Boy when he's when he's running to go take his final exam. And he mm-hmm. have you seen the movie? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, like and, twenty years ago. Yeah. And and he, he gets up to the door and he's he's like shaking, he can't get it open. He's like, No, God, for the love of a you know, son of a right and he sits <laughs> down, he's all pissed, thinking he's locked out, and then someone comes up and pulls on it and walks in. <laughs> Because he was pushing on it. But, I mean, this was, like, legit, man. Like, the door was unlocked. Nobody was messing with the door. And um, he's he's trying to get it open. Him and his son are trying to get it open. And then, boom, the thing pops open on its own. What are you uh, drinking there, buddy? Today's show is proudly sponsored by Diet Pepsi. Mmm, Diet Pepsi. Yeah. That's how I keep this girlish figure, man. Well, you are right about the girlish thing. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it was a really great investigation. It was it was one of those really, you know, simple ones where not much is going on, but what does go on is significant. And I mean, I know that you've had those before. Oh yeah. But you know, man, before we jump into one of these segments, I do want to say. Both you and I have had excellent, excellent health news the past couple of weeks. Yes. You, sir, are still cancer-free, and that is three awesome. Three years, yeah. Man, three years. I, this was the first time I've been able to go um, an entire year between scans. The first time. Like the, like the first time I was actually supposed to do it was three years ago. That's when the cancer came back, and they had to take part of my lung. But, um, yeah. This is the first time, one year, so as of Friday, officially, three years cancer-free. So That is awesome. <clears throat> what about you, my, what about you, my friend? No, I, I, like I think I said on Facebook, you know, they have such a difficulty getting labs from me. They stick mm-hmm. me four or five times, all these different areas, and just can never get blood from me. My last lab work was uh, September of last year. So, you know, getting to be at the age where it's like, man, I need this shit done. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't eat healthy at all. I don't eat anything that comes out of dirt other than potatoes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, and they finally got it. They finally got it. We figured out a way that morning. I didn't take my blood pressure medicine. I drank a couple energy drinks. We strapped a blood pressure cuff on me and tightened it up so the veins would mm-hmm. just pop out. Bam. Four tubes. News came back. Squeaky clean, my friend. Nice, yeah. So yes. hey, it, it's it's really awesome when like thing. It, it just right now, and I don't want to jinx it. So, knock on wood, things really feel like they're going our way, man. And I, yeah, hey, you yeah, can for cool both of best us, believe that there was a double can of fucking chili went on my four hot dogs that night. <laughs> See, don't mind if I do. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, congratulations to you. Um, congratulations to both of us. Uh, we will live to see another day. Yes. So, what do we got? What's going on in the paranormal news, man? I love old books. Let's hear it. Okay, so this is probably one of the coolest things I've ever read. And, uh, you know, a lot of people seem to think, you know, believe investigating aliens and writing about aliens is something that is relatively new. Um, well, apparently it isn't. So this comes from unexplainedmysteries.com. It's, it's a real short article, and I'll read it. So rare 17th century book on alien life discovered. Published in 1698, 
the book offers a unique look into how people from the time perceived the possibility of extraterrestrial life. Discovered by books valuer Jim Spencer at an antique valuation event in Gloucestershire, England, the book was written by Christian Huggins and explores the possible existence of extraterrestrial entities while posing the question of why God would have created other planets solely for us to look at. The title of the book is The Celestial World Discovered, or Conjectures Concerning the Inhabitants, Plants, and Productions of the Worlds in the Planets. And he writes it's certainly a mouthful, but that's how they um, titled books back in the day. Always a very long title. Um, many of the ideas and conclusions Hugens reaches in the book seem a bit strange by today's standards. However, they are consistent with the science of the time. He, specul he speculates that intelligent aliens must have had hands like ours, or, or rather like our own, due to their convenience, and that they must have human-like feet, unless they have developed the ability to fly. He also suggests that these beings are likely to pursue many of the same sports and interests that we do, such as astronomy, sailing, and listening to music, but that they are also likely to be afflicted with poverty, war, and other misfortune because it is what promotes invention and progress. The book, which is to be sold at auction, is, dis is expected to fetch up to four large, my friend, $4,000. Which is really um, cheap. Yeah, really especially for, for something like that. Book from the 17th century. Um, this is a quote from Spencer. It's fascinating to think who turned these pages in 1698 and what they must have felt when reading these descriptions of life on Jupiter or Saturn before gazing up at the night sky, said the man who found this book, Mr. Spencer. So, yeah, you know, I, I see this, this kind of a thing. And basically, it's... They're saying that aliens are like us unless they can unless they can fly, which is kind of like, you know, when you look at when you watch a show like Star Trek, basically every single alien on the show looks just like us. You know, they're humanoid, but with some shit on their head. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with like some ridges or, you know, protruding horns or whatever. Pointy ears. The pointy ears. Yeah, exactly. Although Spock is half human. Let's not forget that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's, I don't think that's very strange because we're still in the same thing today. We still are searching out there for us when really, when you think about it, an alien on a distant planet, um, if, if assuming they exist at all is not going to be anything like us, not even no. close. They followed an entirely different evolutionary track than we did. Yeah, what, I agree. What do you think about that? I agree. You know, and I mean, yeah, I kind of personally believe they probably have hands, but the the rhyme and reason, yeah, according to that book, I mean, what's to say they just don't do things that we normally do with our hands with their mind? You right. know what I'm saying? That they have some kind of psychokinesis, psychokinetic energy, um, something like that. There, there's a couple things I did like um, from this article. Um, one thing I do want to point out is how you kind of made a joke about how back then um, books had long titles. Mm -hmm. Coming from the guy who releases <laughs> modern paranormal books that take – your book title is a chapter. <laughs> See, I, I, I do that on purpose because I think it's funny. And it, it oh, is a funny. throwback. Yeah, it is a throwback. Like, you know, my first book, The Geek's Guide to the Strange and Unusual Poltergeist Ghosts and Demons, or Behold, Shocking True Tales of Terror, dot, 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 and some other spooky stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's funny, and uh, I do consider it to be a throwback to those yesteryear days. Yeah. But, you know, there's one takeaway from this that I did like, and what I like about this question um, as you said, why God would have created other planets solely for us to look at. In, in other words, saying, why would a God just put these things out there if they serve no purpose? Um, so what I like about this question is it doesn't matter if you believe in God or not. It makes you think about the point of the question. If there is a God... Why would he, why would we be the only living, thriving planet? 
What right. would be what would be the thought process behind that? Why wouldn't there be other life that he has placed somewhere else? And if there isn't a God, same principle applies. You know, why are all these things out there? I mean, areas we haven't even dreamed of seeing. Uh, it, it's just a great question and goes back to something you and I have always said, that we would be arrogant as a species to believe we are it. Yeah, you know we're we're a speck, dude. We we are a speck. We don't need the universe is never ending. It's infinite. You don't just hit a wall. So to tell me that there's nothing else out there, I just can't get into that. No, neither can I. And astronomers are constantly finding other planets and uh, you know in different galaxies, or you know around other suns. And you, know, I think you know the 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 James Webb. Um, telescope that they just put up i think that's what it's mm -hmm. called right yeah mm -hmm. i mean this thing is supposed to be able to zero in on these planets going around these other suns and I, there there are literally billions of stars in our own galaxy alone which means that there has got to be planets out there planets that are within the what's called the goldilocks zone or you know the habitable zone of of their star their sun like us I, I just I can't I can't believe for a second that it's you know we're it I just I don't believe that well you know but I've always been fascinated with space and aliens and, and just the universe in general I think anybody who's truly really involved in the paranormal has a little bit of a taste for that you know but before the show my wife was asking me um, what are you guys talking about today? And, you know, and I told her, you know, we're talking about aliens and space and this, that, and the other thing and planets. And, and, and I told her, I said, look, my favorite is Uranus. Wah, wah, dead joke. <laughs> I'm sure Anyways. Christina, I'm sure Christina likes that. Of course. Nice, of Steve. Of course. Nice. Well, Rick, we are closing in on the halfway mark of the show. So what yes. is next? That was the paranormal news. What do you want to jump to next? Did you have a haunted salvage? I do not. I do not. Oh. I figured, look, you've pretty much laid out this entire show. Who who am I to mess with that? That way no, if this that way if this episode sucks, I can say, see, Rick, see what happens when you get a little cocky? Yeah, look, no views. You suck. <laughs> no, but seriously, but I mean, do you have anything in your haunted show and tell that you would like to show the audience? Not today, no, sir, but thank you. Thank you for considering me. I, I do appreciate that. Oh, you're quite welcome. You know me. I care. Unfortunately. <laughs> so, okay. Um, creature of the week. Something we haven't done in a very long time. Love Creature of the Week. That's where we bring uh, creatures, monsters, cryptids to you that uh, you know you may have never even heard of. So this is a really, really interesting one. And we have a video to go along with this. Okay? Steven, you know, if you want to put up the video so people can see it. I will. Thank you. Okay. Again, for Great. telling me what to do. <laughs> I'm not telling you what to do. <laughs> No, I'm sure nobody else sees it that way. It's fine. Cool your tits, man. All right? Pecs. Pecs. Moobs. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So today, so this week in Creature of the Week, or, you know, bringing it back, we go over to Sweden. And I know that I'm going to completely slaughter the pronunciation of these words. So Lake Storjan. I think that's how you pronounce it. So Lake Storjan, um, according to Swedish folklore, is the um, home to a monster called the Storjudjuret. Now, I'm really sorry to the people of Sweden. I know that I have completely slaughtered this word, and I apologize. Now, this monster in Lake Storjan in Sweden, it, it's kind of like their Nessie. It figures real heavily into their folklore and yeah. yeah it's been seen for years but the first time that it ever made like you know was officially recorded was it was in a 1635 manuscript according to which the sea or lake serpent 
was bound up magically in the lake's depth by a man named Kettle Runsky. Now, Kettle Runsky was a, um, he was like a magician of sorts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was like this um, hunter of monsters. So he puts this thing, it's called the Fruzo Runestone. I know that kind of rhymes and kind of it's like fun to say the Fruzo Runestone. He puts, he makes this carving. Um, I think we also have a picture of that that I sent you as well. And this sits by the lake. And this runestone is, it's got the picture of a serpent around it with, you know, runic, yeah, sperm, runic symbols. And this runestone is supposed to keep um, the lake monster dormant. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to do that, as we see with this uh, with this video that we're going to show everyone. And um, so, it's not really supposed to be a um, like a dangerous animal. I don't think it's ever really actually um, attacked anyone. But there's you know there's some legends that are concerning this, and I just got to look it up here. So yeah, I read okay. something somewhere that. And this is when I kind of checked out of the story that this thing um, was conjured up due to a curse. Yeah, that's what I'm going to read here with the uh, ah, with the folktale. So psyched. yeah, kind of a curse. Yep. Boom. So um, this this comes from Wikipedia, and I'm just going to read what it says here from Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia is you know. Say what you want about Wikipedia. So the folk legend that circulated around the Jamplint region provided additional details. According to this lore, a long, long time ago, two trolls named Jada and Kata were on Storjon's shore, each one brewing his cauldron at the lake for days, weeks, and months, until at last was heard a groaning clap as if from a sick child, followed by a loud bang as if by a violent thunderclap. And out of one cauldron leaped a strange creature with black serpent-like body and a cat-like head, which disappeared into the lake. The trolls and the cauldron, too, vanished as well in a wisp of white smoke, leaving a gaping abyss. The monster dwelling in the lake became a menace to surrounding areas and grew so big as to encircle the entire island of Frozen and would be able to bite its own tail. Then came along Kettle Jamty, or, you know, again, Kettle Runsky, who bound the beast by carving spells into a stone which was erected on the east shore of Frozon. Parts of the beast were still visible above the waterline, but it is warned that it could be liberated someday when someone deciphers the runestone. The name of the hero may be Kettle Jam- Jamty or Kettle Runs- Ruski, depending on the version. According to one informant, the rune master was named Gundfast, which thus makes the connection with the legendary Ostman Gundfastin, um, a son aforementioned is ascribed on the rune stone. So this is so you know it's much like you know, with Nessie. There's a lot of you know legends concerning Nessie, but this one is really interesting because yeah, it was it was a curse. This thing was conjured into our world. Um, allegedly by a couple of trolls and entirely uh, believable, entirely, entirely believable. believable. But you know, but I think that that's, this is one of the ones that I really, really love because it's, it's figures into the culture and the legends of, of Sweden, which has a lot of legends and a real rich cultural heritage around this kind of thing. But this video that we're, that we've, that we've shown everyone, Stephen, what do you think when you look at this video, besides it looking like a giant sperm? Well, that was, yes, that was my first takeaway. And I right. like how you added the word erected a little bit ago. That adds to <laughs> it. That adds to it. Um, honestly, the you know me. When, I, when I'm looking at video, I, I am immediately looking at how is this faked or how is it misconstrued? Um, that's how I in any in the field of paranormal anyway. Um, the very first impression I got that this was not as to scale as it's being made to to believe or, or perceive, however you want to say it. It right. looks like it was filmed really zoomed in. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. So it that tells me this thing would be like <laughs> like some little fucking tadpole or something, mm-hmm. you know. But they zoomed in to make it give it this feeling of grandeur, you know, this size. Um, that that was my first takeaway. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'll analyze it a little bit later, but um, I, I don't know. The, I, I, I'm, I am a believer in, in cryptozoological creatures having sure. once existed, or, or maybe there's still some out there. Um, you know, I, I do believe in mutations because they do occur. Nature does strange things. Nature finds a way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so... But but at the same time, I start looking at our technology. Dude, we've got helicopters that can fly over with these heat-seeking cameras and detect somebody down in a bunker. And, I mean, we've got things, man, that should be able to find all this stuff. But at the same time, there are areas of the ocean that's never been discovered. And we may never see discovered. We may never have, at least in our time. You know, and there's areas of the Earth, the Antarctic, you know, uh, that we've never even looked at you know walked across whatever um so i believe there is the potential uh for something to be discovered i mean the jungle they're always discovering something new but nobody puts a cryptozoological label on it even though honestly that's what it is until Mm -hmm. you put you until you can physically uh what's the word i'm looking research it test it um take blood samples whatever you want to call it um until you have a body it is cryptozoological and then after you have the body and it and science names it and classifies it it's no longer cryptozoological so i think there's a lot of things out there that just haven't been labeled by science yet now this thing not so much yeah. No, you know, I, I, I do look at it at the, I was looking at the video and it's like, yes, it looks like something biological, something that's alive, but it's like what you said. It looks like they got up really, really close mm-hmm. on it. And so, I mean, it, according to the, according to the legend with this, uh, with this monster, it's huge. It's enormous. Like it covers the, uh, the entire, uh, width or length of this lake, which, you know, Lake Storjan is quite large. But this thing, I, I'm just not sure. I mean, I do believe that it shows something biological, but not a giant sea serpent. Yeah. But yeah, you but you did you did say something that I that I thought was interesting, you know, about getting a body um and then presenting it to the world. So I think that kind of brings up a moral issue. Should people go out and hunt down things like Nessie and or Bigfoot and kill it. it it's kind of a moral issue um, because who's to say that this isn't the very last member of its species? What do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that it's a good idea to just go out there and shoot something just so you can bring it to science? No, not unless right. my life was in danger. Now, if, if I'm trying to study a creature that has yet to be proven, and it, it is definitely showing signs of, I'm going to eat you, yes, I'm going to shoot the thing to save my own life. And right. bonus for me, now I've got a body. But I, I, don't, I, I don't think, uh, you know, cryptozoology needs to be viewed just like zoology. You know, just like the study of animals. We research animals every day, and we don't have to kill them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we bag and tag. You know what I'm saying? We, we tag animals. We research them. We, we follow their journey through life because we've tagged them. You know, that stuff doesn't bother me. That, that's for, for science. You know, it's not, it's not harming the habitat. It's not harming the animal. It's re- catch and release. That, catch and release, that's just the best way to say it. Just like, right. you know, I think if Sasquatch... Uh, really did come along, trank him, take some blood, take some hair samples, get your measurements, all this stuff, and then put him back. Yeah. But there are people that have claimed to have done that. And it's, it's either, it's <laughs> the, the, either. These, these Vi are the conspirators. 
the people yeah. with dead Sasquatch in their freezer. <laughs> that was like the fi- I remember seeing that those pictures and the video of that. It was like God. I I don't know how long ago that was. I was like maybe yeah, ten. It was, it was a while. Fifteen ago. years ago. Yeah. It was a while ago. And it's like you're looking at this and you're like, dude, come on, man. You know, you're not doing the rest of us or the field of cryptozoology any favors. And you know, finally he like fessed up, and the dude was like, yeah, you know what? It's fake. But there have been weird hair samples that are found out there, Mm -hmm. and they have been tested, and people are like, you know what? We don't know what this is. So another question, do you think that science is doing a disservice being so dismissive? Uh, Before before I answer that, uh, the FBI, I think one of our very first episodes, we talked about the FBI case file on Sasquatch, and they literally have hair samples that could not be identified as anything that we currently have in our mm-hmm. catalog. Okay. Um, do I think what now? <laughs> what was the question? Do you think that do you think that mainstream science is doing a disservice to humanity as a whole by being so just dismissive about you know cryptos, zoological creatures, aliens, ghosts? Do you think it's dismiss? Do you think they're being dismissive? <sighs> I don't know, man, because, you know, dismissive, there's a wide range to that word. Um, If Zach Baggins came to me and he said, I've got legitimate proof of a ghost, Mm -hmm. I would dismiss him. Dude, I don't got time for your bullshit. I'm out. Okay. If you came to me and said, dude, I have got definitive proof of a ghost. Dude, let's see it. What do you got? Okay, you Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? I think a lot of it has to do with the credibility of, A, the person bringing said evidence, and, B, what that evidence is. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't just take a video and take up a scientist's time and say, here, analyze this video. That's not their job. They don't analyze video. They need a biological specimen in front of them. You know, and ghost is a little bit different. Um because there's no way to do that. Uh, but I wouldn't say, like, as a whole, the scientific community's dismissive. I think they're just, like, like my attitude when it comes to taking cases. I think, at, at this age, at this point, um, I think they're just more selective of, of their resources and time. Right. You know, I, right. I honestly think if somebody contacted... Uh, scientists at the Smithsonian and they said look look at this video it's three minutes this is in my garage this is a real body of a Sasquatch I have Mm -hmm. mailed you blood samples hair samples you know and then they get it okay well let's look at yeah jump on that shit you know because they're physically seeing that okay this might be something worth researching Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I don't think it's fair to call the entire community dismissive. I think choosy. Choosy would be the word. My choosy. time is and valuable you, to me, Rick, and I know yours is too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've always had a problem with that word proof. Like, this is proof that this exists. I mean, it's it, it just there are way too many people out there Um that put videos of, of orbs and weird myths out there. And they're like, this is proof that ghosts exist. And it's like, I'm sorry, much like this video of the, uh, you know, alleged Lake Storjan monster that to say that this is proof. That's, that is just, that isn't, that's, that doesn't cut it. In my opinion, well, that's and not these, proof. And it opens up another point of discussion. These so-called scientists who are out there filming the sperm, okay, what's your plan? What What is your plan? You know, it, it's like mm-hmm. the opening scene of Ghostbusters in the library. They see the ghost. Now what? Get her. <laughs> Go get her, Ray. You know, I mean, come on, what are you going to do? So what is your plan? Okay, you're, you're sitting here and you're watching on camera this creature you believe to be mm-hmm. 
Okay, go get it. <laughs> right. Go get it. What's your plan yeah. here? You know? Yeah. No, nah, we, we're good. We got it on film. That's all we need. No, it's yeah. not. Chum the water, put a giant hook down. I mean, I Whatever the case something. may be. Something. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, excuse me there, I had to take a sip of my coffee. Um, yeah, I think that to put this out there and say, look at this. This is proof. Right. That's just not going to cut it. Well, that was a fabulous segment. It was great to bring back the Creature of the Week. We've got 15 minutes left in the show. You are tuned into Shadow Initiative, Paranormal Talk, and TV. We're back to doing both with Rick Hale, author, and Ghost Hunter. And, of course, the animal Stephen Lancaster, author, <laughs> paranormal investigator. Just a whole bunch of shit. Uh, you what have we got next? Got- you have got an incredibly high opinion of yourself. No. If, I, if, if, I've, if I've never hey. actually told you this before. No, man. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance, and facts don't lie, Rick. You know, facts, does, facts don't make you arrogant. Okay. Okay. With that being said, <laughs> so today... This week on Ghost Watch, uh, a terrifying past and its ghosts haunt this favorite Camden night spot. It's called the World's End, Camden Town, London. Very popular. Very popular. Hold on one second. What is... Here we go. Oh, why is doing this? Oh. It's, it's haunted. You got proof. Okay. So, sorry about that. Uh... Yeah, you, you, send, you send these things through email and then they wind up getting cut off. So several pubs and bars in the city of London have a dark history of murder and suicide. But few have as dark a history as the world's end on Camden High Street, a popular night spot and music venue. A history of bloodshed, torture, and black magic, resulting in hair-raising hauntings that are not for the faint of heart. Formerly known as Mother Redcap and Mother Damnables, the first known reference to a tavern at this site dates to 1690, a time when the area was largely rural. With the tavern being in the high country, proprietors depended heavily on the trade that passed on the road from London to Highgate and Hampstead. At the time, the tavern was known as a halfway house for both travelers and merchants. During its history, the building went through several name changes. In 1751, it was known as the Mother Red Cap and the Mother Black Cap. In the 1970s and 1980s, the bar was known as the Black Cap, and was a popular bar with the local LGBTQ community, and was known for lavish drag shows. The club we see today is compliments of, of Andrew Marler, a developer and light of licensed premises. In 1988, Marler bought the building and expanded it, as well as turning the downstairs into the Underworld, a subterranean music venue showcasing both established and emerging musical talents. The building that houses the World's End and Underworld has long been believed to be haunted by the ghosts of its macabre past. Some believe that the expansion made in the 1980s and 1990s, along with the energy of the music, may have breathed new life into some old ghosts creating the perfect paranormal storm. The dark haunting said to happen in the world's end and underworld can easily be traced back to a local woman named Jenny Bingham, or, as she was known in the area, Mother Redcap. Mother Redcap was a nickname given to a woman for one of two reasons, either as a landlord or, its more sinister reason, because she was a witch. And Jenny Bingham was both. In life, Bingham, whose cottage stood on the site in the 17th century where the club now stands, she was known to live a life very few women would have dared, especially in those days. She smoked, cursed like a shipwrecked sailor, and reportedly had numerous lovers. Bingham was also suspected of being in league with Lucifer and a poisoner of those she disliked. Back in the 17th century, such charges could bring swift justice and the death penalty if proven. 
According to legend, when Jenny Bingham was on her deathbed, Satan appeared at her bedside to collect her soul. However, it appears the devil did not get his due, as a troubled soul of Jenny Bingham is believed to haunt the world's end. Loud screams and blood-curdling shrieks have been heard throughout the world's end and the underworld. Loud bangs and footsteps are commonly heard by staff as they open for the day or close at night. The angry wraith of Jenny Bingham has been witnessed by both staff and patrons lurking about the club. She has been known to rush those unfortunate enough to see her and scream curses into, her, into their faces. The thoroughly mad ghost of Jenny Bingham isn't alone in haunting the world's end. Victims of past torture are said to walk the underworld. It's alleged that the underworld was once a torture chamber and gallows, where criminals were sent to be tortured and eventually hanged. The tormented apparitions of bloodied and battered men have been reported in the darkened corners of the music venue. They watch from the shadows only to vanish when spotted by unsuspecting music lovers. The World's End and its live music venue, The Underworld, may be a great place to have a drink with friends while listening to great music. Nevertheless, this popular hangout on Camden High Street is not for the faint of heart, especially when the crowds go home. Mother Redcap and her ghastly companions will no doubt haunt this building long after the music goes silent. I'm Rick Hale, and this is Ghostwatch. Wow. You ever seen the movie The World's End? There's a movie made about the bar? Kind of. It's in the movie. Wah, it, wah. Okay, tell me about the movie. It's, okay. uh, I think that's what it's called. The World's End. Um, yeah, it's got... Uh, Oh God, I love him to death, man. And now it's Simon Pegg. And uh, oh, Simon Nick, Pegg, yeah. And Nick Frost. Right, right. Oh, are you talking about Shaun of the Dead? No, I'm not talking about Shaun of the Dead. I, although they did Shaun of the Dead, which you know mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, I, I really like Top Fuzz. I really like that one. The yeah. World's End is an alien movie. Where they're doing the pub crawl. They're doing the pub crawl, and the world's end is going to be the last bar they get to. But then an alien invasion takes place. I'll have to watch that. I've never even heard of that. And I'm I'm a huge Simon Pegg fan. Apparently not that huge. I guess not. But, uh, yeah, so the world's end in London, uh, Camden Town, um, it's, it's one of the most popular places where you can go and see music, especially in the underworld. It, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what, of what we have here in Chicago, which is the Metro. You have the Metro, and then you have Smart Bar. And both are supposed to be equally haunted, so it reminds me a lot of the world's end. But yeah, a lot of people, they go to this bar, and they have these experiences with these uh, really terrifying apparitions. So... Here's my question to you. With a place like the World's End, so it's, you know, loud music is going on. Infrasound definitely right. comes into play here. So yeah. do you think, yeah, so when it comes to infrasound, do you think that infrasound could be, you know, fueling this paranormal activity or if it could be causing people to think? I mean, some of these stories are, you know, are a little too specific. I think it's like anything, man, with a uh, reputation at this point. There, there's influence. Um, you're talking about consumption. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. I don't know. I think there probably were legitimate things happening there. Maybe still are. Um, but, but again, it, it's it's become a Disney World. You go there with that in your head already. You know, and and you cause something to happen or you think something happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I don't know, man. I I don't know. It's these commercial locations. It's just it's just hard to say. You know, I had a producer get a hold of me the other day and she might have got a hold of you, too. Um, She she's been feeling out people for locations that haven't been tapped yet because it's literally been. The same damn places over and over and over again for like two decades of paranormal TV. 
yeah. you know, and they're they're reaching now, man. They're wanting these new stories, new locations. They're they're tired of it. But but right. speaking of uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, I was I was a super excited. Nick Frost started a new series on Amazon Prime called The Truth Seekers. I think that's what it was called. Let me double check. Uh, this actually this came out a couple years ago. Yeah, Truth Seekers, yeah, yeah. Truth Seekers, well, I, yeah. I, I just now got around to it. Let me put it. Okay. Down. I lasted two episodes. That's a, that is exactly how many episodes I lasted. Yeah, it's like two man. episodes and I was done. Come on. Well, from what I understand, that Simon Pegg and um, and Nick Frost, there there is a new movie coming out, and it's about and it's supposed to focus on uh, the talking spirit mongoose called Jeff. Yes, Jeff. yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's supposed to be a comedy, and you know, it's it's really difficult to watch movies like this with an investigator's eyes because you know especially when you know the real um or you've studied and researched the um real his you know the the historicity of the place and so it's like i i'm really honestly expecting that this is just going to be like haha the paranormal stupid kind of a thing well it's not going to be serious right <laughs> I well, mean, no, obviously. Can, you know, I mean, it, what have these guys done? I mean, yeah, Simon Pegg's done like Mission Impossible and Star Trek and stuff, but he mm-hmm. still always brings that comedic light to it. Uh, right. That's just who they are. I like those guys. Um, it's just been they've been kind of disappointing for a while. Like yeah. they had their 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 moment in the sun, and now it's just like, eh. Mm. But so, hey, great show today, man. You know, yeah. we uh, yeah. we. You know, took a lot. Uh, we took a look at a lot of different stuff. Presented some things to some people, or not some people, but to our listeners. You know, re- really take a look at that video of the Lake Sturgeon monster, you know, and you know, come to your own conclusion. Does it show something that's really biological? I think so. Um, is it something that is really, really close up and could only be about that big? Um, yeah, it's po- it, it's it's quite possible. That's not the first time you've heard that, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but but on a serious note, you guys can reach us at shadowinitiativetalk at gmail.com if you've got an opinion of something we've talked about on this show or if you've got a ghost story of your own you'd like to share with us. And, of course, you can join us at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative or you can leave comments on YouTube at channel label 13. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. Of course, we're all over Apple Music, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all kinds of places. Um, Rick's been releasing his Ghost Watch sessions throughout the week through our network under the Shadow Initiative umbrella. And I occasionally mm-hmm. do a ghost story. <laughs> Which is great. I really, I really do like long, it. Mine take too long, man. Mine take like 30 minutes. <laughs> That's what. That's why there's the. It takes so long for me to do one. Hey, but that's that's fine. It's it's you know it's really detailed and you know people can really get engrossed into listening to it. Yeah. Speaking of engrossed. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out with us again for another week. Uh, stay tuned. Rick and Steven of the Shadow Initiative may have some big news coming over the next week or so. So yes, gonna, hopefully yeah. we can tell you something. We may be going pro. Yeah, pro mo- pro pro er. We're going pro er. Pro er. <laughs> yeah, and then people are going to be like those guys are the proest. So yeah, just stick around next week. Hopefully we'll have something good to tell you. Yep, take care guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Guy, why do you do that? Just as soon as I say take care guys, you should just go bye or see you guys later. Instead it's take care guys. Bye. I like having the last word, so meh. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes.